All right. I'm going to start out with uh, saying this, that uh, uh, this is very important. God designed the universe to function with natural and spiritual laws that bring freedom when obeyed, but bring bondage and destruction when broken or violated. Um, You know, we're talking about seduction, sex, soul ties, transference of spirits. We're also going to throw in there what we call charismatic witchcraft, control, manipulation. All of these things are what everyone has experienced or is experienced or someone is trying to use it on you, but it does not work. Um, Lots of stories that we will share over the next few weeks. Um, But the thing to remember you all is that everything comes with rules. It is amazing to me how people understand that in this planet you have nothing but rules. Rules, laws, principles that you must abide by in order for you to have peace. So if you want to drive a car, there are rules concerning that. Number one, you got to go to and sit down in a class. Number two, you then have to pass a test after you take that class. Then if they give a certificate, you have to have a certain amount of drive time. Then they're going to give you a driver's test. If you want to buy a car, you have to pay a certain amount of money for that car. You can't just give them cash and leave with the car and the keys. You have to get that car registered. You got to pay a certain amount of money for that registration. Okay, you got to pay uh, insurance on that car. When you buy that car, there are rules concerning the car, sir. Change the mile, change the oil every three thousand miles. If you don't change the oil, don't be talking about the car was defective when it blows up on the side of the road. So what we do is we understand that in order for us to get the things that we want in life, we have to abide by natural law. But for some reason, when it comes to the laws of God, which are higher than natural law, what we do is we make excuses and say, well, you know, well, I know God said this, but I don't know why he wants me to do that. So I think I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to do it that way. And what happens is, is that whenever you do it the wrong way, you sow bad seed into your heart, into your mind, into the hearts and minds of the people that are surrounding you. And later on, it begins to show up five, six years later, all of these issues start popping up and you forgot that you are the one that sold it. Okay. So the cool thing is, is that how many know, it matters not how many weeds are in the flower bed, you can pull them all up. It might take time. Yep, I learned that when we moved into a house in Austin. My wife's shaking her hair right now. Mm-hmm. I let you know. See, you're supposed to analyze your life daily. You plant a bed of flowers. And you're supposed to go out there every couple of days to see which weed is trying to pop up. Because it's amazing. You plant the weeds, but you, I mean, you planted the flowers, but you didn't plant the weeds. Where did the weeds come from? From another source. The weeds just drop down and start trying to grow up with the flowers. And if you don't go out there on a regular basis, a couple times a week, and look, if you go out there a couple of times a week, how many know it only takes a moment to pull up a couple of weeds? Don't do what I did. Waited six months. Now I'm out there sweating. Ants hitting me in the bumblebees swarming around my head. Flies lighting on me. I'm dirty. Stank. You know, how many know when you're working out, you don't stink, you stink. I mean, just all oh, I'm dirt. I mean, just trying to pull all this stuff up. It's hot. The sun is beaming on me. I got a headache because I didn't drink enough water. Wife come out there every once in a while because she's not helping. You want some lemonade? So what's she going to do? Okay. So I'm the yard person. Okay. So, uh, so you have to have a daily analyzing of your life. So let's read this. Um, this uh, these two definitions. I had a definition and my wife will read one. Uh, just go over it again. Seduction is enticing someone astray from right behavior. It is an act of winning the love, affections, or sexual favor of someone. Um, a synonym for it is a conquest. 
And then my wife, she has the spirit of seduction. The spirit of seduction is a being or a force that influences a person to entice, deceive, manipulate, or lead astray in order to get what it wants, such as money, sex, or power. It is not the same as lust. Lust comes from within. The spirit of seduction comes from without. It's an outside source. Lust comes within in your own heart where you may have had some doors open and you have allowed some things to enter into your heart. Lust is an inordinate desire for something or someone. Inordinate desire where you may desire something, but now it's come, it's come over you, it's taken over you, and you have to have that something. That's lust. Seduction is something from, a, from outside of you. And when it comes to lust, when any area... Uh, lust means an inordinate affection. It's overboard, something that you should not have. Whenever you have lust in your heart, the Holy Spirit will be trying to steer you in a direction to, to, to smash that. Spend time with me. Spend time in the Word. Go to the church. Listen to this. Okay, all those things. Read this book. Okay, but when the enemy knows that you have lust in your heart, that spirit of seduction will try to manipulate that because they know that's your weak area. So they try to keep bringing things across your path because they know, okay, they have not gotten on this particular area, okay, and they're not spending time with God. So they're getting weaker and weaker and they don't know it. So let's start sending stuff across their path to pull them into the very thing that they have lost about, you know. And so that's very important. You know, this here that I'm going to read um, um, in 1 Timothy 4.1, and I have a statement that is seduction is not a sexual force. It is a spiritual force. Remember that we tend to use the term seduction when it comes to sex mostly, but it's not a sexual force. It's a spiritual force. First Timothy four one and the King James says, now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, that's the time we live in. Some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So the scripture says that in the last days that there would be spirits of seduction that would cause people to turn away from things to God. Okay. And even leave God. Have that a lot now, especially. Oh, and then let me say this. And then you also have doctrines of devils. These are things that creep into the church and we say that it's God, but it ain't got nothing to do with God. Okay. One of the doctrines of the devil. We're not talking about somebody who has a particular diet because they're trying to produce a particular size in their body, okay? Some people, they have a particular diet and they stay away from certain foods in order to produce a result. We're not talking about that. That's somebody that's in the optimal health. But when you say that it is a sin to eat any type of food, that is a doctrine of the devil because the Bible makes it clear that everything has been cleansed and sanctified according to the word of God in prayer for those who have uh, that believe that. That is clear. So I understand that pork, yes, it might cause you to have high blood pressure. It's just not a sin to eat pork. I understand that lobster might be scavengers. You know, wonderful. Just that God doesn't have a problem with you eating a whole lobster. Okay, so, so you have to be very careful about the things that you say, well, God, no, God doesn't have a problem with some things that we have a problem with. Right. Right. Okay. God is very much in the freedom. Christianity is freedom within a fence. You can only go so far. And the only reason why you can only go so far is if you go past that dividing line, that's when you step out into Tyrannosaurus Rex territory where Godzilla is getting ready to chew your leg off. I know you got something I can feel it. So last week we talked about a spirit of seduction and how it is something that tries to influence you and entice you and deceive you and manipulate you. 
We also talked about how control and pride and rebellion are right there alongside seduction. So, for example, you have Jezebel in the Bible. And I'm not going to go down the line of Jezebel. We'll talk about her later. But you have individuals who are operating in that spirit. And they will try to control you and then try to push you and entice you and make you bow your will to their will. You're telling them, no, I don't think so. I'm not really sure about this. You're hesitating. You're not sure. And they try to urge you and push you. It's a sale. It's a deal. Do it now. Sleep with me now. Go with me now. Do it now. And they push and push and push. All the while, you don't have peace on the inside. You feel hesitant for some. You have reservations, but, and, you, and you don't know why those reservations are there. But they're there, and they're there for a safeguard for you because right now your mind is not enlightened as to why you shouldn't move forward. You just know, I don't have peace about it. And I urge you not to override that because you may not know the reason why, but just stop for a moment. You may have to go away for a moment and come back because once you go away, now you're not in that atmosphere of emotionalism. Do it now, do it now, do it now, do it now. If it's for you, it'll still be for you. If he's for you, he'll still be there. If she's for you, she'll be there. If the job, the business deal, the house, the car, whatever it is that you may be faced with, It'll still be there if it's for you. And so here's how the seduction and lust go hand in hand. You can have a desire. It's okay to have desires. It's great to have desires for whatever that might be. Marriage, children, new clothes, vacations. But then when you focus on that thing instead of the giver of those things, then that's how you can get over off onto, you can get off the wrong track. And then you just focus on that instead of the thing that you should be focused on, which is your heavenly father and your relationship with him. All right, amen. Now, based on that, let me read this to you so you can have an understanding because it's very important. Temptations will never stop until the day you die. The higher you go, the more temptation you face. It just comes differently. Because the higher you go, the more attractive you look, and the devil will use this to his advantage. Therefore, the higher you go, the more empowerment from God you should seek, and the more careful you must become. Everything we share in the day, the Holy Ghost just gave us. This wasn't read, read no book or nothing. Okay. Uh, this is very, very important. There is a trick that you have to master, which is thinking that the more mature you become, the more the devil leaves you alone. It is the total opposite. Let me give an example of that. Okay. If you ever experienced this, the more you get out of debt, the more they keep on sending you more credit cards to get back in debt. Okay. Once you pay off a credit card, Okay. I had a credit card that I was using just to build credit. We had a $500 limit on it. Okay. So as soon as I paid that thing off, how much did they offer me the next time? $3,500. She said, mm, mm, mm. I don't know what that means. I'm not going to say nothing, Jared. But it's amazing, okay, because when the more debt-free you become, the more attractive it is. Okay. And these individuals see you as someone that they can seduce back into what you came out of. So it's amazing how as the more you increase in wealth, the more you have seducing spirits out there trying to pull you back into debt. And you won't see that until you start increasing. Okay, the more you start looking good, the more you start uh, having a better attitude, all of these things, self-improvement, more maturity, all of these things are attractive. And the enemy will send things across your path to seduce you from the level that you have gotten to. And that's very, very important. Now, based on that, we're going to share some things. 
10 principles for dating. This is going to be wild, I think. We'll see what she's going to share. But, and I came from this point of view. We might come back and visit it from a man's point of view. But in a relationship, it is much more dangerous for the woman than it is for the man. Much more dangerous. And you see that because, because regardless of if it's right or wrong, the man usually can walk away and he can disappear. But the woman might be left with bills. She might be left with a baby. She might be left with all type of hurt and et cetera. When a woman marries a man, it's much more dangerous for her because she's supposed to submit to that guy. Okay, so now you put yourself in a position where you don't know how this man thinks. You don't know what's in his heart. And now you're supposed to, you know, listen to him. This man is supposed to guard you and protect you, even teach you. Okay, all of those things. So relationships are much more dangerous for a woman than it is for a man because he's supposed to be the leader of the relationship. And so if you have to submit yourself to somebody else's ideology, it would behoove you to find out what their ideology is. Lest y'all both end up in jail, Bonnie and Clyde. Okay, so, so we're going to go over a few things. Um, I think these are excellent. Um, I didn't get any of these dating tips except for just sitting down praying, and this stuff just came to me by the Holy Spirit. And I think these are really, really good. Dating tip number one, y'all ready? This is going to help the married people. It's going to help you if you have children, grandchildren, and your crazy friends who's dating bozo. <laughs> dating tip number one, it will not happen the way that you created it in your mind. Not going to happen. You have envisioned being in the prayer service. Oh, I'm worshiping the Lord. And when I look to the left, there is Boaz. Oh, there's Denzel Washington. He has his hand lifted too. And he looks over to me right and says, hi, I'm your husband. The Holy Ghost sent me here. I even know your social security. We create this stuff in our minds, y'all. Okay? Now, granted, now I'm not saying this from a negative point of view, but women have more problems in that area than men. You know, Men have to be usually shown or taught, yeah, you do realize that your purpose of being born is to be an asset to society, be a man, and get married, and produce a godly seed. You have to tell men that. Women come out the womb getting ready to get married. They plan <laughs> Holding on to that got, baby doll. Yeah, yeah, Ken and Barbie out the womb. They First food. thing, give me the milk in the left hand and, and Barbie in, in the right hand. No, and playing house. And so that's programmed into them. So women, you know, and the little girl, I see, I see my girls watching this stuff. All the little princesses, stories, is, and, and all that type of stuff. And I go, oh, see, they come out of the womb. Okay. And so because as a, as a child, you grow up seeing these perfect little love stories on television. So you tend to think that, oh, okay, when it comes to me, mine is going to be a perfect little love story. No, the guy that you meet, you might even question if he's the one because that's what she did with me. Okay, so, so get that out of your mind. I'll read the scripture that goes along with that, and then if you want to say something. It says, many plans are in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord is what will stand. Okay, um, get out of your head that you will meet your spouse in church. That's right. Get that out of your head. Okay, you might, I know people that have met many different scenarios. I know the, the, the couple at our Sunday location, they met at the, ATM machine. Have another couple that just—I can't even remember who it was—but they met at the uh, in the grocery store. You know, another you, one met online. Another online. one met at the airport. Yeah, now be careful online because you don't know what's online. You know, <laughs> but yeah, airport. I mean, so but because what you do is you're programmed to say, and then there's some preachers that teach that. I mean, because when I grew up in Baptist circles, this may sound crazy. <laughs> I believe that there was only two girls that I could ever marry, and they were at that church. 
because it was programmed that you got to marry somebody at this church. And there was only two that I thought was fine. And, and one of them was questionable. And so this, I was depressed as a teenager, like, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, how many of you know religion can mess you up? Hey, she's like, yeah, that's messed up. So it wasn't until I got my around renewed. Matter of fact, the church that I went to and met her when I was a member of the Baptist church, this church was literally three blocks from my house. And I would drive past that church. And every time I would drive past it, I would say, man, this sure is a, so a lot of fine women at this church. And I never went to it. And then one day, I remember leaving to go to that Baptist church. And I remember getting in the car. And the next scenario is I was in the sanctuary just standing there. That's, I do not remember going to that church. And then I joined it, et cetera, and then met her. You know, but get that out of your mind that it's going to happen based on how you have created. One thing that God is a master at doing <laughs> is doing it the total opposite the way that you thought he was going to do it. How many of you have learned that? You've learned that just when it comes to him taking care of your financial needs. You thought it was going to be your rich uncle that gave you the $500 and it was actually your broke auntie that you were mad at for the last 10 years that called you and said, child, Holy Ghost just told me you need something. It's always going to, the Lord does that on purpose to teach you how to trust him. So get that out of your mind. Yeah, so these, these Hollywood movies, I mean, it's, it's fantasy. I mean, you can have a wonderful relationship, a great courtship, and an awesome marriage, but it's all about what you make it. You have to work at it daily to pay attention. You have to pray. You have to put work and effort into it. You can't be lazy. You can't be selfish. I mean, you have to put that effort into it. In Hollywood, it just all happens. She wakes up with makeup on, and her hair is perfectly in place, and her breath smells great, and he's awesome, and I mean, they all smell good. I mean, real life is not like that. That's not real life. And so, I mean, I was coming along, I'm thinking, this is what it is. This is not what it is. So when I got married, I was like, oh my God, what have I done? I mean, I was so, cl- I was so clueless. I was just so clueless. I was so clueless. I don't know where that's going. <laughs> no, that's I was just simply though. saying that, you know, you have this idea in your mind of how it's supposed to go, how it will go. And then real life hits you like, oh, I really, I really got to work at this thing. I really have to do something. I really have to do my part. I really have to have a good attitude as much as I really have to pray because it doesn't happen the way Hollywood tells you it's going to happen. And marriage is culture shock. One of the reasons why marriage is culture shock is because as long as you are, there is something wrong with everybody and there are certain areas where everyone has to improve upon. The problem is you don't really get a chance to improve upon that until you get in a relationship. Because when it's just you, you have no problem just leaving all your underwear around the whole house for the next two months. You have no problem leaving the dishes in the sink forever. Or sitting around the house and your hair ain't combed. Sitting around the house in some raggedy little jogging pants and a little toe-up t-shirt. I mean, you have no problem because it's just you. But when you have somebody else to consider, that's really not a good idea. I mean, the boys I ask, the girls ask, are you going somewhere? Nope, I'm just looking pretty for your dad. Oh, okay. And that teaches them that when you become a spouse, don't sit around the house and look raggedy. Get up, comb your hair, put some make some lip gloss on or something, do something with yourself. Take off them raggedy pajamas and put on some clothes. It teaches them these are the things that you should do when you are married. So no, I'm not going anywhere. I'm doing this for your father. Yeah, and that's and you have to treat yourself like a king and a queen. Queens don't get up looking raggedy. Queens get up everyone. I remember, no, I don't want to use coming to America, but y'all know what I'm talking about. They get up and they look good every single day. Here, let me move this out of your way. They look good every single day. Every single day. A king doesn't get up looking crazy. Every single day he gets up looking good. And sometimes, now granted, we have bad days. You know, we have bad days. You know, typically with me, 
I get into this grizzly man <laughs> thing and I won't shave. And that only lasts about two days with her. She, she just point, go, go in there and take care of this right here. She said, it feels good, but I don't like that look on you. So I have to go in there and I have to shave. Okay. And so sometimes you just don't feel like doing anything. But in our household, that's 10% of the time, not 90. I know it's making some of y'all squirrelish. We're just trying to, trying to, you know, there's a minister by the name of, some of you might remember him if you're from Detroit, name of uh, Pastor Percy Gill. It's a Caucasian man. And uh, when his wife died, he never recovered from it. He never. Now, this is extremely high level right here, ladies. This is, this is Jesus style right here. And he said, the entire time I was married to that woman, he said, she made sure she got up before I did, fixed herself together, he said, put on lipstick, makeup, and did her hair. So when I woke up, I saw her beautiful every single time. And he said, she did that every single day. Now somebody, child, it don't take all that. Okay, but see, when, if I can get both parties to carry themselves that way, you know, that you can see yourself, see your spouse more beautiful and handsome 30 years from now than when you first marry him. That is possible. And so, uh, but, oh, I see, I see, she got something. So I was going to just go back to our original point, which is it takes someone else in your life to point out those things that you don't notice about yourself because you've been by yourself. So have an open heart, have an open mind to listen and to consider what they're saying. It might not be right, but at least consider what they're saying. And if you need to make some adjustments in some particular areas. When I was walking through the house the other day, and this is continued all this doesn't, it's not like you master this, you get better at it. But I was walking through the house just last week. And I have this pair of uh, orange swimming trunks with a stripe. And apparently they're really cool swimming trunks. So I was wearing them around the house, you know, with a T-shirt. And, and she loves the T-shirt. But I walked past, and uh, I can't remember what she asked me. And uh, whatever she asked me, I, I answered her, and she said, take them off. I don't like the way you look at them things. I didn't argue with her. These are my shorts. This is my body. You know, I, what's, I, I, you can go through all of that. Or I got six, seven other pair of shorts in the doggone drawer. Go in there and take the orange ones off and put the blue ones on that she likes. So I said, I, I do like the swimming trunks. They're nice. I said, but I prefer you wear them when we go swimming. I don't really want you to wear them around the house. I would see, rather you put something else on, not around the house. And I didn't understand that. Brothers, how many know the philosophy is, okay, now let me get this right, okay, two and two, carry to three, five, okay, equals five to the power, okay, let me get this right. If it looks good outside, why wouldn't it look good inside? That's how we think. That's, that's how we think, okay? That's not how women think. No, it looked good outside, but now we're inside. You need something else to look good inside. So I can argue with that, or I can just simply say, I don't get it, but that's what she wants. Let me go in here, and I wouldn't change the shorts, and then she was smiling. And I was happy. Thank you. That's not deep. Y'all keep making stuff deep. Okay? But, but quit. I just, you know what I can't stand? There's two things that I can't stand. Two is to see a dude walking in the supermarket. Oh. <laughs> and me, I'm so crazy. Oh, yeah, I just, see, I do this to mess with my wife. I got this pair of shorts that, that the button is broke, and we haven't fixed it yet. I'll put them on. I just walk around the house like this. <laughs> my kids are like, you just need to stop. I just walk around like this, messing with her. She can't stand it. She bust out. That's why she's laughing now. And then when I see guys like that, I just stare at them. I just look at the belt. I just look at it, and I just look at it. And then the other one I can't stand, ladies, <laughs> quit going out the house with a shower cap on. Just, just stop. 
The stop. shower cap is for the house. That's not an outside yeah. garment. Okay. It's a reason why they make they people. You have people that now they they only hang out at Walmart to take videos of people who come in there with pajamas, uh-huh. orange and yellow house shoes, uh-huh. and a shower cap. caps and scarves. <laughs> and they wear it every day. How many of y'all got an auntie that wore rollers every day? She wore rollers every single day, but never went anywhere. Okay, I had one of them. They were waiting on the rapture, I guess. <laughs> Point number two. (laughs) Point number two. Dating anyone other than a real Christian will always bring you hurt sooner or later. Always. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse 14 through 17. Do not be bound together with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness and lawlessness. What fellowship has light with darkness. What harmony has Christ with Belial. What has a believer in common with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them and I will be their God. They shall be my people. Therefore, come out from the midst and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will welcome you. Look at what God calls an unbeliever. Lawless, darkness, the devil, an unbeliever, an idol, and he is unclean. And you want to yoke yourself up to that because he smells good, looks good, and is promising you lies. And then here's the deep part with that. You may see him look good and smell good and he's saying all the right things. And you can get away from that if you're paying attention, if you're sensitive. But if you give too much of yourself too soon, too much of your heart, too much of your thoughts, too much of your emotions, too many of your dreams, I mean, you're sharing everything with this man. You don't know this man. And so then you become intimate emotionally you become emotionally tied then you take it a step further and you have sex with the guy now you all yoked up and hooked up with the guy and you've got red flags and horns and buzzards and bells going all off all over the place and you cannot seem to break that thing and get away from this person who you know you do not have a future with you don't have a future with this person yeah and there are many women many women who are controlled by ungodly men because of soul ties he doesn't serve God, and because your soul is ties to him, it causes you not to serve God. You usually see this, a woman that she dates an ungodly man, and he takes her away from the things of God. Because usually, you date an ungodly man, ungodly man ain't going to stick around too long without no sex. You have sex with the guy. Now you are tied to him, and now what happens is, is that your emotions are so tied to him that you can't hear God. Always remember this. Well, I'll, I'll go over that later. I'm getting ahead of myself. So... Mm, go ahead, go ahead. So now you've compromised yourself. At one time, you had a standard of how you wanted to carry yourself, how you wanted to do things, and this is how it's going to be. Mr. Superfine comes along, or Mr. Average. He's just, he just a cool kind of guy to hang out with. He comes along, and then you compromise yourself, and then you get so far away from the Lord because now you're not praying, you're not reading, you stop going to church because you've gotten wrapped up in this guy, and now you're miserable. You're being literally tormented. Tormented because now you're under condemnation, you're in shame, you're embarrassed, you're afraid to go back to church because you don't know what they're going to say or what they're going to think, and you don't know, you feel like you're stuck. I can't go to church, this guy is clueless, and I don't know what to do. In this, and I'm going to give an example, and and be careful with our examples because every situation, I'm just giving you examples of how these things work. I know an individual who, uh, he dated a lady for a while, and... um, he wanted to be a, a bodybuilder. 
He was really wanted to be in the physical health, but the girl she was he was dating, she was the total opposite. Okay, she don't even like she won't even look at a gym if you drive past, you know. And so as a result of him being with her, um, he never became a bodybuilder um, because she just wanted to sit around on the couch and just eat and do stuff. She didn't want to work out, so that's what he ended up doing. And so eventually they end up broken up, breaking up. And he ended up meeting another young lady who was very much in the health. Now that same individual is now a professional bodybuilder. Okay, so you got to be very careful what you yoke yourself up to because you'll be pulling on them and they'll be pulling on you. The benefit is when both of y'all have the same mind, you're not pulling on each other. You're enhancing one another. That's right. Okay, so just remember that. All right. Number three. Oh, Jesus I know people that listen to this are going to be upset, but it's the truth anyway. There are no benefits to a woman moving in with a man she is not married to. None. None. Absolutely none. Zero. Mahi to the row. I'm going to read this. Listen to this. There are so many, I wrote this down. There are so many people who desire to be married, but instead they take the consolation prize of living together. They become roommates and then begin to play house. And five years later, they look back and ask what happened. She ends up playing the role of wife and many times mother, but never got the next level commitment she really wanted. He ends up being cool with the situation and realizing that he already has all the benefits of having a wife without ever having to officially make her one. Not to mention if someone leaves, it only involves packing a few boxes. No dividing up assets, no deciding visitation, no legal fees because you aren't married. He gets all he wants, but she never gets the security she desires. And instead of cutting her losses, she just holds on to hope. They break up to make up. He comes and goes as he pleases and always threatens to leave because he can. It's five years in and she is still waiting on a ring and grows resentful because of all of the talking about marriage. Never manifested into anything but being roommates. Not to mention the kids are starting to wonder how come mommy and daddy aren't married. How come he goes, comes and goes as he pleases. What do husband and wife really look like? And the cycle continues and you're teaching your children how to live their life a particular way. Now. These are the things that are said when the spirit of seduction is in operation. We can save money if we live together. You can also save money if you live apart. And most people that move in together still don't save money. That's just a little hook to try to get you to move in. And, And ladies, let me say something. Okay, I understand that sometimes, you know, you may feel led to help a man. Okay, but ain't no, I shouldn't say that, but. Yo, you got these ladies that she's working, she got the house, he got the car, and, and he don't have nothing. No job, no car, no life. I mean, he just and shows up. He shows up, and, and you taking care of him. And, and there's sometimes women in this situation, I have to tell them, well, if I leave him, what about him? I said, he'll be homeless. And then he will learn, oh, I'm supposed to be a man. I'm supposed to be about my business. Oh, I'm supposed to get a job. Oh, I'm supposed to get an education. It might have to start at Wendy's, but that is a start. That's right. Quit taking care of these dudes and letting them sit around you at work and they playing Xbox all day. And you come home and they still don't want to help you behind. We can save money. Here's one of my favorite. We pretty much together anyway. Well, if you're pretty much together anyway, go ahead and get married. Mm-hmm. If you're pretty much together anyway. Right. That's somebody who doesn't want to make a commitment to you. Mm-hmm. 
people who do not love you will never commit to you. People who love you will do everything to their own hurt to commit to you. Talk is cheap. Actions are expensive. In fact, when we were together, I was in school. We dated for one year. I was in school for two years. And we decided to wait until after I graduated in order for us to get married. It would just be a better idea to wait to wait. But during that time, he had gotten completely debt free, had paid off all his bills. So now he's going to come into the marriage with no debt. So I tell him, well, maybe we should consider waiting to get married so that I could get out of school, start working full time again, and then I can pay off my debt. Because that's not fair. I mean, you're debt free and I'm bringing debt into the marriage. And he said, no, we're not going to wait. We're going to get married and we're going to just knock this out together. In the first year of marriage, we're going to just knock this out together and boom. And we did. I think I had $20,000 with, you know, mostly my car, which was the biggest thing, and maybe a credit card or two. We got married and we just committed to knocking it out. We didn't even watch TV for the first six six months. We didn't even own a TV for the first six months. We just got married. There was no TV. We worked. We prayed. We got to know each other. We spent time together. And we knocked that debt out and just paid it off. Here's another one. We have talked about marriage so we might as well move in together. I talked about going to Israel, but I haven't been yet. Because <laughs> you talk about something don't mean nothing. Mm-hmm. See, these are all things where a person is trying to seduce you into following their lower way so that they don't have to commit to you. And so you don't get anything out the deal. It benefits the other person. Exactly. So seduction takes love and commitment gives. gives. And it gives to hurt. Okay, God could have made a decision and say, you know what? I'm not about to kill my son because there are going to be a whole lot of people that don't accept him. He didn't do that. He said, I'm going to go through all the way with my part. Whoever accepts it, wonderful. Whoever rejects it, sorry for you. Here's another one. This is my favorite one. Marriage isn't anything but a piece of paper anyway. Oh, my goodness. That couldn't be further from the truth. Marriage is much more than a piece of paper. Much more. The Bible says that when you become, when you get married, you become one. So it's much more. So when you're dating, when you're living together, shacking up, coming, whatever you want to call it, you never become one. You're two people, still two individuals living together. You never become one. The Bible says that when a man finds a wife, he finds good and he obtains favor. That favor is not there because he has not committed to this woman and made her his legal wife. And, and y'all, ignorant he, people have a bad habit. Of, of being ignorant but thinking that they're intelligent. Mm-hmm. Okay, marriage is nothing but a piece of paper. Any person that says that to you, male or female, daddy or mama, you know, is ignoramus numero uno. They know nothing about what they're talking about. Period. Period. Marriage is nothing but a piece of paper. No, marriage is nothing to you. So you want me to bend to your rules. And the sad part is, y'all, women end up falling prey for this. I am so tired of trying to get Christian women to just wait. Leave this dude alone because you're caught up in the moment. But 10 years down the line, when you get cancer, he's not going to tell you nothing. He's not going to stand with you in Because he don't know nothing. He don't know nothing. Okay? I saved this girl's life because of what I knew. Taught her how to operate because at one point, when the first time, and this happens all of this, not be telling her her, she was a little afraid the first time. And I had to show her how to buck up. And I said, no. I said, this decision that you are getting ready to make is going to kill you. And she listened to what her husband said, and I taught her how to get healed, and then she got healed with that, I don't know, a couple weeks or so, whatever crazy it was. The point that I'm making is, is that you're going on right now, but five years from now, how many of you know that as long, oh, my father used to tell me all the time, he said, nothing is going on now. He said, keep traveling down the road. There's something waiting for you. Yeah. How many of you know 
that all of the trouble that showed in your, up in your life, you never saw coming. Okay, and it's when the trouble shows up, who is on your side as a partner is going to determine whether or not you trouble that trouble or that trouble swallows you up. Amen. Amen. Your daughter is sick and now you married to an idiot who, well, just let's do what the doctor say. But they're crazy. Well, let's just do what the doctor, because they're afraid. They don't know anything. And you decided to yoke up with this idiot. I'm sorry. Amen. Yeah. I mean, and it's, and it's just, you know, y'all always remember this. Whatever you reject by default, you get its opposite. That's right. You reject God's best, you usually get Satan's best. Okay. If you reject the lower, you always get the higher. Be Willing to walk away. Walk. Walk. Once you realize this is an idiot, walk. Once you realize that this girl ain't got a clue about what it means to be a woman, walk. Okay? Fine looks real ugly when stuff ain't working out. That's right. All right now. That's right. The finest woman in the world look like the devil, look like Godzilla. Okay? When it ain't working. So, those are just some cues. Quit. And anybody that doesn't want to do it right now, now let me say this, let me say this. There are some people, though, who they might not know what the right way is. Okay, don't be so quick to reject people where you're looking for Jesus in a dress, you know, or him in a suit. Okay, but be careful because it's not always a person's ignorant because I was ignorant. I tell you, my wife asked me some questions and I'm sure it made her question, oh, this might be Lucifer right here. You know, and it wasn't because my heart was wrong. It was because I was ignorant. It's what people do when they find out the truth. Okay. I have people who they live together when they find out the truth. They say, okay, we need to get this right. We've had people that didn't even wait until it was preached. When they got saved, they came to us and said, we want to get this right. It's a heart. You're looking for somebody who is moldable, who is pliable, who is not just going to hold on to what they believe about life. It is amazing to me when I was on that phone call how these atheists was just experts. Matter of fact, that's how I closed the call. I closed the call. I told the host, I said, hey, man. I'm out. Y'all done kept me on this little raggedy phone call for so long. I said, it is obvious that you have all the experts that you need on this show. As a matter of fact, you need to see if you can get them a job at the Cancer Institute so they can find out a cure for it because these dudes are the most intelligent people on the planet. I'm out. And I just hung up the phone. People always think they know stuff. Always. Hey. Right. So let me caution you. You might, you might meet someone who is amazing. And who loves God, but like he said, just it, don't, they don't have information, they don't have knowledge, and they have not been with the Lord for a, a, a period of time in order to increase in knowledge and to increase in wisdom. They may have great potential, so don't throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, okay, well, he's not this spiritual powerhouse. So we can go off on a deep end on that side, particularly if you're a female minister, you're a woman in ministry, you're a powerful woman of God. Or maybe even so you think in your mind, I'm powerful and I need a man X, Y, Z. But maybe he's just not there yet. When we, when we met, my husband had been probably in church since the womb. I had gotten saved at 18. But when we, but when we met, he had been taught some different things. And I was, I mean, I was really on a fast track with the Lord. I mean, I was praying. I was in the Word. I mean, I was going hard. And there were a lot of things that I knew that he did not know. And so I asked him questions. We talked a lot. I would ask him about this, about that, about this, about this minister, that minister, this book, that book, this doctrine, this doctrine. He didn't know. But I thought, okay, but he's in church. He has a heart after God. He's growing. He's on purpose pursuing God. Maybe it's something I can work with. And we just kept down that path. And then over time, 
when I was in school, we didn't see each other as much. I mean, I wouldn't see him in the evenings. I wouldn't hardly talk to him, except on the weekends. And I would call, what are you doing? I'm praying. I'm reading. I'm praying. I'm three and four hours a day pursuing God hard. I'm like, wait a minute. Do you miss me? No, I'm in the Word so much, you know. I mean, I do miss you, but I'm in the Word so much. I'm like, wait a minute. I couldn't so, believe I said that, by the way. I was like, wait, so you don't miss me? You know? So, But he was the point I'm making is that he was really pursuing God. When I first met him, he was coming into a different way of thinking. And he was pursuing God with his whole heart. So don't just throw the baby out like, okay, he's not it because he's not that powerhouse. Well, maybe the Lord is working on him and doing something with him. And so don't let your lust, the seduction, the control, the pride, the rebellion, make you throw out somebody who really is a good man or really is a good woman and who really is trying. They're really there. They just haven't reached that point yet. Because before long, we may have started off like this. but Before long, he was like this and I was running to catch up. And uh, I feel led to share this. If you if you are a woman with a strong past personality, going to have a strong ministry or business, um, your spouse most likely will be somebody that is the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. And like Joyce Myers, Marilyn Hickey, Joyce Myers. How many know Joyce Myers is a powerhouse? Mm-hmm. How many know you hardly ever see Joyce Myers' husband? He's sitting there right on the front row, chilling. Because Joyce Myers is a powerhouse, but she needs a man that has a quiet, gentle, laid-back spirit. You have to have that. You usually end up marrying somebody. If you're a woman that is very, very quiet-mannered, mild spirit, you have to be very careful because you will usually marry the powerhouse man. And you have to be very careful with, uh, with that. So, um, All right, number four is very important. Any person you date will have issues. Amen. Amen. Their issues do not necessarily mean that they are the wrong person for you. Jesus had issues. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that seems strange, but Jesus had issues. Okay. There are things, the Bible says that Jesus was sinless. It didn't say that he didn't make mistakes. There are things that Jesus did he could have done differently. He didn't have to spend an entire chapter going off on people and calling out of their name. He didn't have to walk in a temple and start beating on people without asking no questions. Jesus did stuff, and I'll prove to you that Jesus had issues. The Bible said about Jesus that he had to learn humility by the things that he suffered. If he had no issues, then why did he have to learn humility? If he had no pride, why did he have to learn humility? It's crazy, ain't it? It says clearly Jesus had to learn humility by the things that he went through. Okay, so every person has issues. <laughs> Somebody looking at me like that's the craziest thing I've heard of. Okay, everybody has issues, and in most cases, when you meet that individual, they never get a chance to work on those issues until you show up. And so. You know, because you got an argument with the person that you're dating for three months. Oh, we got an argument. This ain't it. I'm going to find somebody else. No, no. It just means that you're learning the differences in each other. And that's going to take some time, y'all. It's going to take some time to learn how another human being thinks. Two dudes don't think the same, let alone a woman and a man who come from different social economic statuses, a different home environment, everything. Our background is the total opposite. The only reason why we're together now, because both of us decided to renew our minds with the truth. I let go of my past. She let go of hers. And we said, what is the right way? So just remember that everybody got issues. You know, you get in, you know, I mean, he's, I mean, he might do something that gets on your last nerve. On your last nerve. Oh, he ain't the one. He might chew with his mouth open. You know, he, he might. Smacking. Smacking. You know. <laughs> excuse me. 
smack. I mean, all of those things, you're like, no, this ain't the one. No, he might be the one, but, but you, you don't give it enough time in the relationship to say, hey, can you make one adjustment for me? Stop that smacking. Please shoot with your mouth closed. Please, I'm begging you. I'm begging you. <laughs> but you're not going to get 100% of what you want in any individual because you're not coming to the table with 100%. And you want there, be, you want there to be some grace for you. I mean, because you're not coming with 100%. There is going to be something. It might be one thing, two things, five things, ten things that the other person might not necessarily care for. And you want that grace to be available for you. So you must understand that a person that steps to you or comes to you, they're not going to be 100%. There is no such thing. But recognize that whatever it is that are the main things that you desire in an individual, they're there and they're in place. And the rest of those things can be worked through and worked out. Number five, a sex-free relationship is the quickest way to determine if this person is for you. It is the quickest. Some people think it's the slowest. Here, here's another seduction thing. Well, you know, I, I was in a barbershop one time. It took all the Holy Ghost in me not to pop this man upside his head because he said the statement. What did he say? It's a poor dog that only has one hole to put his thing in. Oh. I was just like, I got to go. I got to find another barbershop because I had already went off on them one time. Okay. And you got all these little things out there. You know, would you test drive? Would you buy a car without test driving it? Yeah, I just did. On top of that, a woman is not a car. How many of you remember that stupid Art Kelly song? You remind me of my Jeep. How many of you remember that? Some of y'all faint right now. The dumbest song I ever heard of. What do you mean I remind you of your Jeep? A woman is not a car. A woman is not a test drive. It's somebody that you're supposed to spend the rest of your life with. And you're supposed to have the ability to love them when you can no longer have sex with them. And always remember this. Watch this. And it's worse when you do it with an unbeliever. Okay? You're trying to see is this individual the right one. Mm-mm-mm. You're trying to see is this individual the right one. You have sex with them by the seventh day. At that moment, your soul becomes tied to them. And now what happens is you have more of an ability to hear what they tell you about God than what God tells you about them. Because your soul is tied to them. And it's a slaughter. Sex is one of the strongest ties. Okay, so now the manipulation and the seducing starts. Now your mind is blinded. The longer you stay sex free, the Lord will begin to open up your eyes. Is this the one individual? The moment you have sex with them, you put on a pair of sunglasses. Sex with them again, you put on another pair of sunglasses. Keep on putting those sunglasses on and you come completely blind. And then you marry somebody that you actually think is for you when actually it's the spirit of compromise. So just remember that. All right, next one. Uh-oh. I don't know if they're going to hang for this one. Successful, relation- successful relationships are about change and conforming to new ways of doing things. If you are unwilling to change for your spouse, you make it easier for them to be seduced by another individual. Romans 12, 1 through 2. 1 through 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Some people think that marriage is about joining up with another person and staying the same. Wrong. Christianity is not even like that. The moment you give your life to Christ, God asks you to start changing. 
Change the way that you live. Change the way that you talk. Change the way that you think. Change the way that you handle your money. Change the way that you deal with your enemies. Change the way that you operate in love. Change the way that you forgive. Change the way that you change the way. Just change, 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 change. And then we want to get married to somebody and say, no, it's, it's about just you accepting me. No. If you love me, you'll take me how I am. Yeah. You'll accept me how I am. And, but if you love me, you'll try to improve who you are. That's right. When you, see, you know, and always ask yourself a question, y'all. Always ask yourself a question. When you get ready to marry somebody, if they don't change anything about them, can I deal with that for the rest of my life? For the rest of your life. For the rest of your life. For the rest of your life. Because you cannot change an individual. Now, they might change, but there are more people that don't change than do change. Now, there are some things that you can deal with. You might be able to deal with the smacking, okay? You might, have to, you might be able to deal with the fact that she put on too much makeup for you sometimes and all that type of stuff, okay? Some things that you can deal with, but you got to look and say, now... Last time we got in an argument, he threw a plate across the restaurant. And then before that, he pulled over to the side of the road and stumped that squirrel in the head. Now, based on what the reverend said, whatever you experience in the dating relationship multiplies by 100 when you get married. You got to think, y'all. You're getting caught up in the romance and the stone movies and all that type of stuff and them waking up on a bed of flowers. And, and like you said, they can't stand them on crazy love movies. They've been asleep all night long. You'll just wake up and turn over to the person and give them a kiss. How many men? Oh, never mind. I haven't even answered that old crazy question. Brush your teeth is first. Do something. Get some scope. Listerine. Talking about them, you know. It's... Okay, so it's about change. It is about I am willing I am a single man and I am willing to be whatever you need me to be in order to provide security based on your emotions, your body and your spiritual life. That's what marriage is about, because when you came out the womb, that's what you did. You learned in your household how to become something. When you get married, it starts all over again. You learn how to become something else. You evolve into another being in order to be a blessing to another being. Now, I've talked to a couple single women, and they said, well, you know what? I don't want to change. I want to just stay the way I am. Well, then that's, that's your prerogative. You have that right to, to stay that way. But in marriage, there is some change that has to take place. And so if you're not willing to be a blessing to someone and make some adjustments, then perhaps you need to reevaluate if you really want to be married. Because that's what marriage entails. Marriage entails a responsibility. It entails work. It does entail, you know, giving of myself to another individual. It requires you not to be selfish. So if that's not what you're ready to do, then you have to need to evaluate. Am I, do I really want to be married ever? Am I ready to be married right now? Should I just consider the fact that maybe I'll be single and I'll just, you know, I'll adopt or I'll have foster children. I'll have nice relationships. Maybe I really don't want to be married after all. And it's very important because, like she said, it very much is selfishness because the individual that does not want to change for anyone wants everyone to change for them. They go buy a dress and they don't like the price and you want them to change the price so you can get a discount. Go to a place and let them fix your food wrong. You want them to change it. It's amazing. People that don't want to change for other people always expect people to change for them because it's selfishness. Next. This is a good one, single people. Whatever they are unwilling to do for God, they will be unwilling to do for you. Okay? If a, if a person is making excuses, I don't got to go to church to worship God. They ain't going to make that same excuse about you 
in a particular area. In other words, they're not if they won't commit to God's desires to the degree that they commit to God's desires, they will commit to yours. No matter what area I find out I'm wrong about, I don't make excuses when it comes to God. Therefore, rarely do I make excuses when she tells me about something that I'm wrong about. You cannot do for another man what you do not do for God. So if he's not living for him, she's not living for him. They're not going to live for you. They're just going to pretend until they get you and then they'll stop living for you because they don't live for God. Because behind it all, again, it's selfishness. You don't want to conform. You're full of pride. You're full of rebellion. You don't want to change. You don't want to conform. You don't want to compromise. You don't want to be a blessing to someone else. You just want things your way 100% of the time, and you cannot have things your way in this earth 100% of the time. It doesn't work that way. And, and let me say this. I had to have my conversation with my kids about this. Always remember this. Lower level people always want to be your friend. Because you're higher level. They're asking you, they come to you, you're high level, and I want to be with someone that's high level. Every pimp, when he gets married, looks for a virgin. And they always look for a church girl. When they, when they come down to settling down, they don't want a prostitute. They don't want these girls in the club. They don't want these girls just sleeping around acting a fool. These dudes look for the most honorable thing that they can find. And so the more honorable you are, lower level people always want to be a part of your presence. Okay, but you have to make the determination and say, but I'm not going to be a part of yours. I have to tell my kids. I said, don't get caught up in the fact that your friends want to hang around y'all all the time. They want to hang around y'all because they like y'all and they think y'all cool. But it don't mean that you should hang around them. And the more attractive you become to people, the more they want to hang around you. But the more attractive you become to people in any single area, you got to tell them no. I'm telling you, you have to go. It's all about you govern your time. How much do you honor yourself as an individual? You have to trust God that he has somebody that is there for you. Okay. I was dating a guy one time and there were just some things that I really wanted him to work on. It were really important to me. And he was, you know, talking about marriage and, you know, going down this particular path. And so there were things I wanted him to work on. I really need, I really, I really needed to see these things changed. And he would just make excuse after excuse after excuse. When I broke off the relationship, now all of a sudden you see the light. Now you're going to change this. You're going to change that. You're going to change this. Well, no. When I was begging and pleading for the last six to nine months of my life, telling you, communicating to you, being honest and open, like these are things I don't like. I really need you to work on these. I really, really need you to make adjustment. You didn't care about it. Then you made excuses. Well, I'm not then going to submit myself to you and marry you because then you're going to really act a fool. Mm-hmm. If you won't do it while we're dating, you definitely won't do it after we get married. So I just broke the relationship off and went on about my way. Yeah, I mean, ladies, let me say something. Ladies, if you go out with a guy on the fourth date, he says, let me help y'all out. Let me help y'all out. If you go out with a guy on the fourth or fifth date, he says, hey, would you mind changing your hairstyle for me? Don't get no attitude. Don't get no attitude. Don't get no attitude. That guy is trying to investigate what here's cold. This is what you hear. Mm-hmm. Would you mind when he says, would you mind changing your hairstyle and trying this style over here? This is what you hear. You ugly. <laughs> That's what you hear. This is what he meant. I think you might be the one. I just want to kind of see you in a different hairstyle. I don't particularly care for that hairstyle. That hairstyle is not you. It's just a style. And I have a particular style that I like. I just want to see would you wear that hairstyle. I want to see what you look like. You got an attitude. Okay? Men do stuff like that. Men, women, men don't communicate based on how you communicate. Mm-hmm. Whenever a man is communicating, let me say you something, ladies. Always remember this. 
when a man communicates to you, it's very intelligent, but it's going to sound very stupid. And you got to just simply do the request. Okay, he asks, and men give simple requests, but you got to turn it into this deep web of deceit. And why would he, he must have been looking at Ebony Magazine, somebody else in some hairstyle. Maybe his mama wear that hairstyle. Why you want me to wear this hairstyle? What is wrong with my hairstyle? The man just simply asked you, would you change your hairstyle? You didn't meant, you didn't went all the way to Mars and Pluto and went all the way around the universe. And the man's still sitting in there in front of you. I just want to see you in a different hairstyle. I did that when we first started dating. And then you have to ask yourself, okay, all right, is this a simple thing to do? Okay, I can make the adjustment. Let's just see where it goes. I might actually like the change, but at least let me be open to what the change might be. I don't even know what it is. I don't even know what he wants me to do different. So let, at first, let me just let's see if I can be open to what that might be. If I don't like it, then maybe we can work on some other things and see if we can compromise and do something that we both like so I can feel good about the way I look. And he can also be pleased with the way that I look. I mean, he asked me, I think around Christmas time, he said, if I were to buy you a whole new wardrobe, would you consider changing your clothes? I sure would. You're going to pay for it? And you want, you want to see me in certain clothes? I sure would. I would definitely would consider that, that we can definitely work that out. So he went and bought some things, some things I didn't like. So we took those things back, kept the things that I did like, and went shopping so we could work on what I like and what I felt pretty in and what he liked. And, th- and then we got rid of the things that he didn't like. I don't have to wear those things ever. They're just clothes. Bye. And if uh, beauty wasn't important, the scripture wouldn't be full of it. The constant Bible. How come the Bible always telling you what somebody had on every time a vision came from heaven? That's unnecessary. If it's unnecessary, if it's not important, God is always telling you about how somebody looks. It always brought out the fact that Job had the most beautiful daughters in the land. It said that David was extremely attractive. Moses was extremely attractive. Abraham and Isaac were extremely attractive. Jesus was not. And it brought that out. It makes points. Dude, that was for a reason so that Jesus could be tempted in all points like he, as we are. OK, but but it makes it very clear. It points out what people's clothes look like and the beauty and what it looked like, because that's very, very important. God, OK, it's Christians that they, they take all of the coolness out of everything because they think when you come, come Christians, it's just about religious stuff. It's not. Y'all, God created everything and he created beauty, beauty. All of the flowers are not one color. They're not all red. Okay, they're all different type of colors. Beauty, trees are different. Beauty, I mean, everything is beauty, beauty, beauty. Let me quit saying that so fast. <laughs> I did that Sunday. I did that Sunday. You remember? Hey, y'all get what I'm saying? Hey, so so you want to look the best that you want that you can look. And if somebody brings certain things to your attention. Just simply do it. There's certain things that my wife thinks that I look good in, and there's certain things she thinks I don't look good in. I'm not going to dress for any other person except her, period. Okay? Now, when I go out by myself, I go out raggedy because I don't even care. And if I go out, I'm putting on some raggedy shorts, a T-shirt, and some sandals. I'm just And then there are times I'll tell him, please don't wear that in public because you yeah. represent me. Yes, because sometimes you I You represent our family. Don't wear that out in public. Yeah, but when I'm with her, I don't do that because I don't play that because I understand that if we're out in public, I don't want... People was like, oh, she married to him? Oh, my God. So here, so I asked the gentleman. We're talking about making a gesture. I asked the gentleman. You know, I was like, I really like, I really like flowers. You know, so it'd be nice if you would just buy me some flowers every now and again. They smell good. They look pretty. He says, no, I'm going to buy you plants. <laughs> that was not me. That was somebody else. And I said, I don't like plants because, because I don't take care. I don't know how to take care of them. 
and they die. He says, well, flowers die. It's a waste of money. They last like three or four days. But I'm like, but they make me happy, fool. I'm trying to tell you how to do something nice that I like. But he says, flowers die in a few days. They're a waste of money. I'm going to buy you a plant. They last a long time if you take care of it. I said, well, mine are going to die too. So, so that was a little thing, but it spoke volumes to me. There's something so little that would make me smile. You would not be willing to adjust. A little bitty thing spoke volumes. If you won't do it with some doggone flowers. Uh, whew. Definitely, I don't know nothing else. And see, we're saying all of this because these are all of the things that open up your mate or your spouse to seducing spirits. Because whatever you are unwilling to do for your spouse, always remember that the desire for it increases by 150%. It does not go away. Any, now, we're not talking about no perversion and no stupid stuff, okay? But anything that you are unwilling to do for your spouse just out of spite, I'm not doing that. I'm not changing mine. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. I'm not even going to try. Always know that when you said no, the desire did not disappear because you said no. The desire increased. Now, what you refuse to become, everything out there gets their attention. Now, they may not ever respond to it, right. but now you opened up the door for your spouse to be tempted. So single people, these are things you look for. You take your time. You listen, you pay attention, you pray, you investigate, and you just take your time because there's no rush. That person may or may not be here, but if that's not the right one, there will be another person. You only need one. You don't need a choice of five, a choice of ten. You only need one who will be a blessing to you and who you can also be a blessing to as well. All right. This is a good one. Y'all ready? If they are your spouse, God will reveal it to both of you. Y'all want to hear something crazy? When I, after I first got saved, my father discipled me for a year. He's in California. I'm in Michigan. He's sending me books. We're doing Bible study on the phone. I mean, but I really wanted to find a church that I could be involved in and be connected to. And so I decided to just jump out there and venture out there and try to start visiting. That's the only way I'm going to find out this is the right church, Right. So I go to this one church. I had only been there like three or four weeks. I mean, just visiting. I mean, wasn't really feeling it, but I was just like, let me just keep going. And this guy I had never seen before. Had, apparently he's seen me because he's been watching me show up every Sunday. He just walks up to me and said, hey, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? Yeah, you know what? Uh, the Lord told me you're supposed, you supposed to be my wife. Don't do that. Don't do that. Boy, I don't know you. I don't, what are you talking? I don't know you. The Lord told me you're my wife. Well, he didn't tell me. In fact, he didn't tell me your name. He didn't tell me anything about you. He, no, I don't, I don't know you. And so he foolishly said, and so I never saw him again because I just had to just dismiss that altogether so he wouldn't stalk me. But that was so insane to me. I don't know you. So obviously the Lord did not tell him that. His own mind said, hey, she's cute. She's coming to church. She's faithful. Yes, that's the kind of woman I want to marry, even though he had never talked to me, had never asked my name. He just saw what he liked and determined I'm his wife. And people get religious when they, they're not taught that, no, you don't do that type of stuff. You want to go out with somebody a date? Don't ask them, do you want to do a Bible study? Don't ask them, do you want to do a prayer meeting together? You know, and let me say this. Do you know one of the easiest ways for a couple that's dating to have sex is to pray together? Because prayer is intimate. Intimate. And it produces a certain feeling. The quickest way for a couple to have sex is to be in an apartment holding hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just want to worship you. And, and you get all caught up in that. And, and, and. <laughs> and see, and be honest with you, you worshiping the Lord in the apartment in the house and everything. Okay, you worshiping the Lord and everything. But all of a sudden, you're having this battle 
of keeping your focus on the Lord and, and that person's hand that feels good and the perfume and, 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 and God forbid that your hand be touching her, her arm be touching her breast or something like that and, and, and all of this stuff and, and next thing you know, man, that's the worst way to quit doing crazy stuff. Okay. Then you want to lean over and give each other a hug. Let's give each other a no, hug. Let's give a let's hug. Give a hug in the Lord. And, and no, uh-uh, no. Okay, so. The Bible says, can a man hold fire to his bosom and not get burned? Nope. That's fire right there. Fire. Fire. All this up in there. Just fire. Okay, we get no, the point. No, don't Ron. do that. Get the point. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Here's a scripture. 2 Corinthians 3.1. This is the third time I'm coming to you. Every fact is to be confirmed by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So if it is a fact that you are supposed to marry this person, he's going to tell the other individual. So if somebody walks up to you and says, brother such and such, you know, the Lord gave me a vision that you're supposed to be my husband. Your reply should be, well, since I can't hear from the Lord, you go back and tell Jesus that he needs to give me the same vision. Okay? Because what people will do is they set their sights on you. People love to use religion and thus saith the Lord. Because people believe it's a form of seduction. It's, it's, it's what you call, we'll get in this future, it's called charismatic witchcraft. Where it's a term called charismatic witchcraft where they try to use the scripture to seduce you into doing what they want you to do. So they will attach. The Lord told me that you're supposed to give me $500. See, y'all play with people. I don't. I say, oh, well, since I have a problem hearing from the Lord, you need to go back and tell the Lord that he needs to give me the $500 I'm supposed to give you because I don't have it, dog. <laughs> you just do that one time and they stop coming to you with that thus said the Lord stuff. Okay? Don't be putting thus said the Lord on stuff. Even when I do have a word from God, if you pay attention to my speech, I will say, I believe the Lord is saying this. I sense I sometimes won't even say that. I just say, I really believe such, 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 such. Because at any time you can miss it. Sometimes you think you hear stuff. How many thought you heard the Lord? And, and it didn't happen. Okay? So, so be very careful of that. If the, now, is it possible that the Lord shows you this individual? You know, that's possible. I'm not saying that's not impossible. Okay? But, but if he showed you that, smile. Smile the individual. Because if he showed them the same thing, when you smile, that's going to be a cue. Yes, that's the Lord. There's a confirmation. If a, if, 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 a guy, if a guy gives a guy a vision that this is your wife and that has happened before, okay? As a matter of fact, um, I got two testimonies right quick. A girl, she had a, um, um, I can't remember the exact scenario, but the Lord gave her, she was dating a guy, and weird how the Lord does stuff. She was dating a guy, the Lord gave her a dream, and in the dream, this Mexican guy walked up to her and said, Whatever you do, wait on me. And um, a couple of years later, that very Mexican guy walked into her life at church and asked her out for a date. See, so uh, I just married a couple that she's African-American and he's South Korean. And um, and she was uh, Lord gave her a dream. She she thought she was blessed with the gift of singleness, which means I'll never be married. But then the Holy Spirit started telling her, she said in prayer, I want you to start praying for your spouse now. Start praying for your family. So she did it not because she had a desire to be married, but she did it just out of obedience to the Holy Spirit. That's why it pays to hear from God and learn how to hear from God. So she started doing that. But she said then the Holy Spirit gave her a dream, a vision while she was praying and standing before her was an Asian man or a South Korean man. She thought it was Asian in the dream vision, South Korean man in a black suit. And it wasn't until I think like three, four years later 
that she was at Walmart, not at church. She was at Walmart, and that Asian gentleman walked up to her with a business opportunity. She got involved with the business opportunity, and long story short, that ended up being her husband. Okay. Um, notice in both scenarios, the Lord showed the woman who it was, but the man approached. So if the Lord shows you something, don't assume you're supposed to say anything. How I many you know that's what got Joseph in trouble? He had one dream, he told it, and then he got sold into slavery for the next few years. Everything the Lord gives you is not for everybody to know. Sometimes it's for you to keep. Sometimes the Lord trusts you to keep your mouth closed. He'll show you what's coming so that you can be at peace. But just know that the Lord is always working on your behalf to get you the desires of your heart. But if he gives you a dream or you believe you have a dream because you can cause yourself to have a dream based on your desires and it's not from God. If the Lord ain't said nothing to that man, if that man ain't thinking about you, if he ain't said nothing to you, if he has not asked you out on a date, set that dream on the shelf and wait. Okay, I know uh, uh, why I want to mention his name. Uh, one of the people that's here, you know, he was in school and sat. Oh, sound like somebody gave him spanking. He sat in school and sat in the classroom with his wife and never was attracted to her. Sat in the classroom for five days a week for a couple of years. Sat in the classroom, sat in the classroom, sat in the classroom. Graduated from the little class. He was in the hallway one time and he saw her walk past. Now, he'd been seeing this girl for years. He saw her walk past. And at that moment, she looked like an angel. His eyes, the Lord opened up his eyes and said, that is the one for you, okay? And then he ended up marrying that girl, okay? And so you have to be very, very careful about dreams and visions because of this one thing. When it comes to the most important decision in your life besides Jesus Christ, I think the Lord is going to reveal it to the other person, okay? Just keep that in mind. I know some of y'all, you got your little feelings hurt and, and all that type of stuff, you're going to be all right. I'm just trying to save you because I'm telling you, it used to be that women were scared to date men. Men are scared to date women now. I know because they call me and they tell me the experiences. They're like, dude, I might have to consider being a eunuch for the rest of my life because these girls are crazy. Yeah. And, then, and, and then it was and, and this is no punt towards American women. But I got guys telling me, man, I'm thinking about doing one of the male order brides from Russia or something. And because they just like, man, I just these women crazy. And part of the women, the reason why the women are crazy is because they were made crazy by other men. And you got to learn this stuff. You have to calm down and relax. If a man tells you that you're acting crazy, you have to say, don't start acting crazier. <laughs> Ask him, oh, for real? I mean, what am I doing that gives you the impression that I'm, that I'm crazy? You know, and when you do that, he's like, oh, this might be an opportunity to drop some knowledge on this situation. And then guess what your reply should be? Oh, I'm sorry that I gave you the impression. And then be honest and say, well, you know, I'm kind of sensitive to this particular area because of what happened to me in the past and, and these things or my father wasn't there and I struggle in these areas. That makes a man become attracted to you. OK, always remember this. God made men the protectors of women. You have a better chance of this man submitting to you by you telling him your weaknesses versus you trying to pretend like there's nothing wrong with you. But don't do it on a first date. Don't give all your secrets and all your deep, dark, you know, heart and emotions on the first date or the second date. That's not the time to do that. <laughs> yeah, you, this comes over time. It's like a chess game. It just comes over time as you trust a man. All right. Jesus, this helping y'all? I know it's like, yeah, no, I wish they had helped me 20 years ago. That's what I wish. It's, <laughs> it's all right. It's never too late to get it right. Number nine. We only got two more to go and then we'll read one story and be done. 
Learn the power of saying no. Saying no is your ability to demonstrate your maturity. Learn the power of saying no. No, I'm not going out with you. No, I can't go there. No, you can't come up for a nightcap, an afternoon cap, a morning cap, or even a baseball cap. (laughs) No, I can't babysit for you. No, I don't have any money. No, I'm not dating right now. No, you can't have sex with me. No, I don't want to be out late. This, I mean, no, no, no. The reason why we don't like to say no is because when we say no, it gives us the impression that we're going to lose out on something. Always remember this, y'all. When God has something for you, it ain't a being in this universe that can stop it from coming to pass. Your trust and your faith and belief has to be in God has something for me. And when my time is here, Ain't nothing anybody can do to stop it. Be willing to say. When I first met my wife, guess what she told me? It was after the single meeting. Another guy, he hyped me up and asking her out and everything. <laughs> he did because I was shy, you know. He hyped me up, so I was off, you know, and everything. And we was in the single meeting. I followed that girl out of that class, and I don't even remember what I said, but I asked her out. And she was polite. She wasn't rude. It's another cute. Don't be rude. Because some men have hyped themselves up to the clouds, you know, and, and, and ask you out. And if you cut him, you may not ask another woman out again. And I had seen him around. He had been watching me for quite some time. I had seen him around. I knew who he was a little bit, you know. And so it had nothing to do with him. It had nothing to do with him. I thought he was attractive. thought he was nice. I had seen him serving. But during the time that he asked me out, that was a time of consecration for me. I was just by myself, me and the Lord. I was praying, studying in the word. And at the time that he approached me, I just didn't think that was the right time. And I was a little confused as to when the right time would be, because at this time it wasn't just him. I mean, these men were coming out of the woodwork. And I knew it wasn't because I was just so fine. I knew it wasn't that. I knew it was something spiritual. I knew it was a plot of the devil to get me off my game, to get me distracted, and to get me involved with dating and this guy and that guy. I, I mean, I knew it. I knew it. So when he approached me, in my mind, I'm thinking he's just one of many. So no, the answer is no to everybody. No, 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 no. And I was really nice to him, but then I went home and I inquired of the Lord. Well, I told him no, but was that the right answer? Did I say the right thing? Did I do the right thing? And I'm like, and so I felt frustrated. And so I asked him, I need you to tell me when I can say yes, because I don't know when I can say yes. So then another gentleman approached me, older guy, seemingly had his stuff together, had money, looked good, played the organ in the church, all of that. And the Lord told me clearly, no. Things that I could not see. I'm looking at the external. Everything on the outside looks good. But the Lord knows the inner workings and heart of a man. And he told me, no. Mm, Let me add something right quick. Let let me say this. And I know this is more focused on the ladies to protect you all. Sometimes the man will look like everything in a slice of bread. And the Lord will say no because he knows that as time goes by, things will get worse. Then it can be a man that's a little rough around the edges, but his heart for God is there, but he doesn't have this and he has that. And God will say yes, because he knows over time things will get better. You make decisions based on the here and now. God makes it based on the rest of your life. And you got to trust God. And it's okay when it when when because it's very it's it's and it's, it's not always easy 
to pick this. You will have peace. It's a big thing to follow peace because when the time, when the right time comes, then the devil, he, he is some about the devil. He knows when your season comes, he will begin to send moles. He'll begin to send substitutes. Okay. Um, when, uh, when we, uh, before we opened up Lionheart church, was it a year and a half when we we're going to open up next level church, about a year and a half prior. Yeah, I was, I was, in, I was in a spot where the Lord always speaks to me. Now the enemy knew that my time was coming. I didn't. I heard a voice, open up your church and start your ministry now and call it next level church. I was like, man, next level. That's sweet. Okay. So I ignored it. And then I was shaving and that voice came again. I said, open up your church right now and call it next level church. And I was like, man, I think that's the Lord. That's sweet. So I went on the internet. Next level church was available. We were riding home from our other church and we rode, we go down the street every single day and had never seen this sign. And it said next level construction. I was like, oh, my God, we never saw that sign. And we've been up in this piece for five years and we never saw that sign. That's a sign from God. That's our confirmation. How many of you have done that? <laughs> First, he said it was a setup. OK, so we start moving on it. Purchase the name, got the back with the social, uh, uh, secretary of state, all that. Then I started having troubling about my decision. And this is what I said. Well, if this is God, then why I feel so funny? Okay. And so I went back and prayed and the Holy Spirit said, I'll never forget this as long as I live. He said, I didn't tell you to open up no church. He said that was a demonic spirit mimicking my voice trying to get you out too early. Shut it down. Shut it down. And then a year and a half later, the Lord spoke to me to open up Lionheart Church. And I didn't even like the name. The name of the church that Satan gave me, I loved it. And the name that God gave me, I hated it. And that's how it is. Because God will give you stuff that he knows you will like that you don't even like right now. You got to be very careful of this. And it requires sensitivity, patience, and you getting all of this foolishness out of your life so you can be, have a clear communication to kind of figure out. You got to kind of tiptoe around and see what is going on here. Now see, that's key because when we first met, the other guy the Lord said no to, he was Mr. S- you know, Rico Suave, Mr. Charismatic. He know how to talk. He all smooth and everything. Know yeah, what to smooth. say and how to say it. He was smooth. This dude right here is Mr. Shy. I wasn't smooth. Wouldn't hardly know how, didn't hardly know how to talk to me, wouldn't look at me. I mean, on the, on the date, I'm like, would you mind just looking at me in my eyes when you talk and not look over here or look over here? I mean, are you okay with looking at me? I mean, am I okay to look at you? Know? And when she said that, I would glance at her and then go right back to looking down again. So I really do believe the Lord tricked her into marrying me because he knew what I was going to become because it made no sense for her to marry me. Well, see, I wouldn't even go that far. The Lord knew what I would need. The Lord knew what I needed before I knew what I needed. I do have an assertive personality, and I would need a man who was calm and loving and patient and kind and who would deal with my crazy stuff because I had things from my back, I mean, baggage from my background. Even though I didn't know it was still there, it took me being in a relationship to draw those things out. And he gave me a man who would love me, who would be patient with me, who would pray with me, who would stand with me, who would be committed to me in spite of all my crazy, fickle ways. And so it wasn't so much that I was tricked, but the Lord knew what we both needed. Even though externally we're looking at the outside, I mean, he knew what we both needed. And even from that point, we've been together now 22 years. He knew it would, would, this day would come. He knew that. We didn't know, but he knew it. So he gave us what we needed at that time. You can. Go ahead. <laughs> this, 
I'm telling you how stuff can go down. I had to ask for permission first. Because we revealed too much of our foolishness. We might have to stop. Okay. But I'm just showing you how you can be dating someone and the insecurities of the past will show up. And you got to know how to deal with this and determine, okay, does this really mean I'm not supposed to be with them? Or does it mean that we're dealing with issues of the past? When we were dating and the first major argument that we got in, I think I picked her up and brought you back home from church or something. I don't know where we were. So I took her home. She lived with her mother. And, um, and uh, she, I mean, we got into a bad argument. And that girl, I had a Porsche. Was that the Porsche? Yeah, that was the Porsche. I had a Porsche. She got out. She slammed my door. You know, and I was saying stuff back at her. She walked into the door. She stared stuff back at me. She went and stood at the door. You ain't nothing, and you ain't gonna never be nothing. <laughs> I never will forget that as long as I live. Now, I know but it's I, very difficult to believe. I'm oh such no, a holy hilarious. woman of God. I'm so sweet and so meek and so kind. She did it like they do it on Friday, too. I mean, she stood there in that doorway. She let the whole neighborhood hit it. She didn't whole whisper neighborhood. This. I'm on the front you porch. You ain't nothing. The car. You ain't going to never be nothing. And then she ate the steak that she was supposed to. <laughs> she was making me a steak, and then her and her mama cooked it and then ate it the next day. And I'm crying. Yeah. I'm boohooing. I'm like, Lord, please don't call me back. I'm so sorry, Jesus. I mean, because I, I had a moment. Just acted a complete fool. You're going to have disagreements. You're going to have opportunities for, you know, a little rough discussion. But I just went way back to Stansbury Street, Detroit style. You ain't no- I mean, I'm screaming out the front door. You ain't nothing. And you ain't going to be nothing. Christian woman. Christian woman. Spirit-filled, holding the Bible and everything. Full, full of God. Speaking in tongues. Okay, out there acting a fool, but that was, straight ghetto style. But that was her. But you got to remember that. How many know it takes to pass a long time to get out of you? It takes, and these things show up in intervals. They lie there dormant, and certain scenarios are pulled out. And if you don't know that that God didn't fall off the throne because of it, He recognizes that poison was put in you, and it was not your fault. And it can only come out in certain intervals. It can only come out. Okay. All right. Let's do this last one. Last one. Number 10, there are appointed times and seasons for you to meet someone. Ecclesiastes 3.1. It says there is an appointed time for everything and there is a time for every event under heaven. When your time comes, ain't nothing you can do to even stop it. We learned that with this vehicle that we just purchased and we learned this with this house that they're building. You know, when it was an appointed time, we weren't even looking for it. And when I tell you about appointed times, the Lord gave my wife a dream to let her know it was time to get the vehicle. And then gave her a dream to let her know which vehicle and what was, that we were supposed to truck. Who's about keeping them and nope, trade in this one. It is amazing as we tap into these things. I can't wait for us to teach in January about hearing the voice of God again because my wife is going to spirit that. It is unreal what we are learning about just how much God wants to speak to us to give us an advantage about every small detail, including if you're looking for a pair of flip flops when you leave the service. It is unreal. And it's when you tap into the faith of that, the Lord just starts showing you. And when I tell you the Lord has given us some of the most crazy direction in the last two months, it is unreal the type of direction that he has given us. But let me give you some insight into that, though, because it's really important that you are a good steward of the revelation that God gives you. 
even if you don't quite understand it. So if God has given you a dream, then it's important that you record that dream and then seek the Lord about what its meaning is. Do I shelf this for later or is this for my life right now? Now we have been contemplating giving the vehicle away, the one that we traded in. We wanted to give it away to someone. We wanted to be a blessing to, to someone. And that was a decision that we had come to. And But the car, I mean, there were things that were breaking down on the truck and we just did not want to put all this money into it to fix it. It's like time is coming close, it's coming close. I have this dream where I'm looking up at this tall salesman and he asked me, so do you want to trade it in? And I said, well, yeah, I guess it would be important to do an appraisal. And in my dream, the word appraisal is just appraisal and the dream ends. So in big black letters, she sees, was it big black letters? Yeah. yeah. Big black letters, she sees appraisal. So if we had given this vehicle away, this vehicle would not have been a blessing. Mm-hmm. The vehicle would have been a burden because the person may not have had the money to get it fixed or had to get all these repairs done. It would not have been a good thing. So it was better for us to trade it in and get the money they gave, it, gave us uh, for that vehicle than for me to try to bless someone with it. And it wasn't actually a blessing but a burden. So the Lord was, that was a directional dream. The Lord was giving us direction as to what to do. Yeah, and it was a tall salesman named Eric, big, tall guy like the size of Kevin and Mac. So it's amazing the details. The Lord is the Lord wants to give you an advantage in every single thing that you do, but you got to live clean. Amen. Okay, you got to live clean. To the degree you live clean, the Lord will give you direction to give you an advantage above everything, everything. All right. Based on all of this, 1 Corinthians 15:33 says, "Do not be deceived, bad company corrupts good morals." This is true if you're married, even more important when you are single. Okay? And you have to be careful, okay? You have to be careful, when you, particularly when you are single. You have to be very, very careful about the group of people. Spouses always have their spouse. Single people, you have friends. And some friends are not necessarily good for you. You got to be very, very careful. You also have to be careful, single people, about this. And that is, married people, for some reason, are under the impression that single people don't have nothing to do but just sit around and do nothing. So, you have to be very careful, okay? When it comes, because even when it comes to us, we have six kids, and 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 we're even very careful when who we ask to babysit. We have other married couples, single people, but we're very sensitive because um, people will look at your situation and determine that you got all of this time that they think you got when you don't. Okay, there are some single people that are more busy than married people because of their careers, their jobs, other things that they are a part of, working out, uh, a part of volunteer things, other community events. Um, different things like that. So you got to be very, very careful. You have to have the ability to say no. So we're going to look at this one, one last passage. It's just one story to see about how having the wrong friend can mess you up. Second Samuel chapter 13. But before you go there, I want to go back to the appointed time because there is an appoint, there is an appointed time for you. There are desires in your heart. Those desires are there for a reason. There is an appointed time. And so until that appointed time comes, what must you be doing? You should be seeking the Lord and praying and asking him for direction for your life. Is there some area of your health you need to work on? Should you be going back to school? Should you be pursuing some particular area in your career? Does it require a PhD? Does it require medical school? What does your life's purpose require that may require time undistracted? Because love can be a distraction. It can be exciting and fun and fulfilling, but it can also be a distraction from what you're supposed to be doing at that time if that's not your time to be in love and pursue a relationship. So there is an appointed time in your life, and you must be, you must be sensitive to that and not jump out there too soon. All right, 2 Samuel chapter 13. 
I'm going to read 1 through 17, and then we'll be done. This is an example of the spirit of seduction working twofold. Now, it was after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar, and Amnon, the son of David, loved her, he thought. Amnon was so frustrated because of his sister Tamar that he made himself sick, for she was a virgin, and it seemed hard for Amnon to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shemiah, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very shrewd man. He said to him, O son of the king, why are you so depressed morning after morning? Won't you tell me? Amnon said to him, man, I'm in love with this girl, (laughs) the sister of my brother Absalom. Jonadab then said to him, lie down on your bed and pretend to be sick. When your father comes to see you, say to him, please let my sister Tamar come and give me some food to eat and let her prepare the food in my sight that I may see it and eat from her hand. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be sick. When the king came to see him, Amnon said to the king, please let my sister Tamar come and make me a couple of cakes in my sight that I may eat from her hand. David sent to the house for Tamar saying, go now to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house. He was lying down. She took dough, kneaded it, made cakes in his sight, baked the cakes. She took the pan, dished them out before him, but he refused to eat. And Amnon said, have everyone go out from me. So everyone went out from him. Let me add something right here before I do the rest of this. Always remember this. When somebody is really, 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 really into you, even innocent things that you do will be very sexual and they will be turned on by it. You can just walk out the sanctuary. You can go to the grocery store and the person is already smitten, okay? Because I can tell you, she's doing this, okay? And she's making this cakes, but this man is being turned on. Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food into the bedroom. Ain't no tables in the bedroom. That I may eat from your hand. (laughs) So Tamar took the cakes which she had made, brought them into the bedroom to her brother Amnon. When she brought them to him to eat, he took hold of her and said, Come lie with me, my sister. That doesn't mean take a nap. Let's have sex. She answered him, No, my brother, do not violate me, for such a thing is not done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. As for me, where could I get rid of my reproach? And as for you, you will be like one of the fools in Israel. Now, therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. So it sounds like she was interested in him also. She was saying, Just simply do this the right way. However, he would not listen to her since he was stronger than she. He violated her and he lay with her or he raped her. Then Amnon hated her with a very great hatred for the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love which he had loved her. Amnon said to her, get up out of here and go away. But she said to him, no, because this wrong in sending me away is greater than the other that you have done to me. Yet he would not listen to her. Then he called his young man who attended him and said, throw this woman out of my presence and lock the door behind her. So that's the twofold spirit of of seduction. And that is he had a friend, okay, who did not have the right mindset concerning women. And his friend gave him a bad suggestion. He said, man, this is what you do in order to get that girl. Be very careful when somebody's trying to tell you how to get a man, tell you how to get a woman. That may not be the right way. Analyze that thing. But he said, man, this is what you do. Lie. How many of you went on a date and you lied? 
How many ever went on a date and you lied? Oh my God, y'all know this. Y'all sitting up here lying right now. Okay? Okay? Don't ever lie. Okay? To the degree that you lie, the degree you're deceiving yourself and them. Okay? But he told him, do this to this girl. And he tricked her into this situation. And he thought he loved her the same way that are the people that had sex with you and they thought they loved you until they had sex with you. Now they can't stand you behind. When a man has a wrong mindset, and women do this now, a woman has a wrong mindset, lust will never bring about the right emotions concerning another individual, ever. And this man raped this girl, okay? And now one sexual encounter caused him to hate her more than he loved her, all because of a bad friend. And that's one of the things that you need to do. Single, married, business partner, and ministry-wise, ask the Lord, who in the world do I need to get out of my life right now? When he starts pointing the finger, you might say, well, that means I'm going to be by myself. Yes, I can make you rise by yourself more than you can with these raggedy friends. When you go from level to level, it means you have to leave the previous level of friends and go to the next level of friends. Very, very important. So as you can see through this, now this is what interesting is. With this message, we just kind of pulled back a little bit before we go into all of this hardcore stuff with sex and seductions and control and all that type of stuff and bondage. Okay, but this is very, very important because we needed to come out and give a lesson for the ones who have not gone down this path yet that you can save yourself from all of this hurt. Okay, I have never, ever seen a person do it right and not be blessed by God. Sometimes they had to wait longer than the ones who did it wrong, but I never have seen a person do it right, okay, and, and not be blessed by God. You know, I try to tell people all the time as a couple, if you're dating somebody, and it's the right one, marry them as soon as possible. I suggest if you start dating somebody that you, we do even dating counseling at this church free of charge. Because when you have sex with somebody that you're not married to, it's kind of like, well, I don't want to use that example. I'll just put it this way. The Bible says he defines a wife, finds a good thing, and obtains favor from the Lord. You're trying to live your life without favor. Okay, Live your life without favor. God is like, keep doing it your way, and, and we'll see how far that goes. But the moment you do it our way, favor kicks in. Okay, So you need to judge yourself in your relationships. You need to judge yourself who's in your circle of influence because people have a funny way of showing up and doing stuff at the wrong time when you least expect it. Okay, People that have, that have gotten me were people that I least expected to get me. Okay, And sometimes the Lord will tell you to leave people alone but you always remember this, y'all. The Lord will tell you to leave people alone when everything is going right. Because he wants you to leave them alone before everything goes wrong. But you don't want to leave them alone because everything is going right. And the Lord is like, we understand that. You see now, we see what happens in two years. And what happens in two years is going to make you end up losing out on everything. Now, I'll tell you a quick story. I had a, a woman in my life. Who I really enjoyed her company. I thought she was funny. She was great. I really enjoyed spending time with her. But it was one thing that really would get under my skin, and she would badmouth her husband. I mean, every time we got together, in the name of I'm just venting. And that bothered me, because I don't talk about my husband. Any issues I have with him, I address with him. I don't come to my girlfriend and vent about my husband with you, and we just going to just badmouth our husbands together. Well, I told her I really just didn't like that. I just, you know, whatever's going on, you just need to, I mean, because I wasn't counseling her or anything. We were just, you know, friends hanging out. So you really need to go talk to him about it. And it was every single time, every single time. So I just began to pull back because the Bible talks about 
Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. I may have a good heart and a right heart and a right way of doing things, but I'm constantly listening to her over and over. Oh, and pretty soon I'm like, yeah, you know, Otha, you know, Otha does this and Otha does that. And he get on my nerves and Otha does it. And now, now I'm joining in and now my heart is being corrupted and I'm being turned because this is what I'm surrounding myself with someone who's always bad mouthing her husband and her not trying to get those things right with her husband. Again, I wasn't counseling her, so I can't help you get it right. You need to go talk to him. Because I don't know what his side is. I hear your side, and it's probably wrong. So it's very important uh, to be careful of who you choose to have in your life and who you have in your inner circle and who you allow to speak into your life and who is uh, who, who that person is that's speaking things in your life regarding your life. Go ahead and stand. And you have to be selective with even what you share negative circumstances with other people. There are things that I know that I that I experience and and I only share them with certain individuals because there's certain individuals that I don't share it with, okay? There might be something that happens and I don't share it with this individual because I know this individual is just going to gossip about it. And, and, and you have to let stuff stop at you. So you have to know how to hold stuff. There are lots of things sometimes that I want to share that I just don't because, uh, you know, it's hard for people to just hold stuff and not gossip about it and just this, this. You got to know when to hold stuff and when to share stuff, okay? So go ahead and lift your hand toward heaven for a moment. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you and we praise you. We bless you. We magnify you.